appearing on screen with the glimmer of familiarity, ready to fight his kaiju foes. It's SSSS Gridman. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Gridman. Boy, this is just time. Eric and Alex are back at it again on another episode of Monsters vs. Men. Coming at you from the bargain basement. This week, things are a little different. Professors here dropping knowledge and rhymes. Slaying so hard they should be considered war crimes. This time, we'll be talking Gridman, of which Professor is an enormous fan. Collision of Animan took Combine a new and old effects are sure to shock you With so many S's and enormous thighs With a cross crash horse make these grown men cry Well prepare yourself for a big grit smash Come on everybody, it's on Access Flash Yeah Now available on iTunes <laughs> I'm just kidding guys It's also available on SoundCloud, Amazon, Spotify, Bandcamp, Pandora, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stereo Mood, CD Baby, Napster, LimeWire Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Kaiju Podcasting Airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we discuss Gridman with our special <laughs> guest, <laughs> Professor Kaiju, Bryce himself. This is the first time we've had a guest on at the beginning. How's it going, Bryce? You doing okay? It's do- I'm, go- I'm doing very well, uh, Eric. Uh, I'm actually also very, very... Um, Amazed that you got you got all four S's because most people do not actually get all four S's, <laughs> right. uh, myself included. Uh, <laughs> I just remember it's one too many, and then I had the fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. You re- actually, you really do just want to physically stop after three. I found most yeah, times you do, or you just want to make a hissing sound, which I just did, <laughs> which is and exactly it's confusing. Yeah, well, this is exactly what we're going to talk about for this episode. Why in human psychology do we stop at three? Go, Bryce. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go, um, professor. <laughs> uh, but for real, though, it's, it, it's confusing a little bit, too, because, you know, you've got the super special science patrol, right? Oh, uh, is, mm-hmm. Am I missing an S there? Is it SSSP? Right, no, for, it's for got Ultraman? like one too many because you, you want it to be three letters. You want it to be SSP, but it is SSSP. It is SSSP. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll just say it. Maybe it's a uh, Japanese versus American thing, right? Uh, I have no basis for that assumption, but mm. maybe. Yeah, I, I'm sure you're right, Eric. <laughs> it's it's 100 factual, absolutely. <laughs> but you, our, our our listener may be wondering, well, why are we doing S S S S Gridman right now? Uh, because we just did a Toho miniseries. And we were going to do a Toho recap, but we decided, Alex and I were just talking, we wanted to do another miniseries first uh, before we did one of our Toho recap special episodes. So mm-hmm. we decided this was the perfect opportunity to bring uh, our friend Professor Kaiju Bryce onto uh, the podcast, and we know he's a huge fan of Gridman. I've watched it recently, Alex just rewatched the whole thing in the last mm-hmm. couple of days. So we are ready to go. Uh, Bryce, first thing, before we get started, uh, you want to introduce yourself, who you are a little bit to our listener? Uh, yes. Um, my, uh, my, uh, I was trying to, I was about to say like stage handle my, uh, my online <laughs> presence. Um, I'm just, I go by professor Kaiju, uh, YouTube channel. 
Um, I make basically kaiju and tokusatsu related uh, content. Um, basically just the, my main focus or has been as of late is to just try to make, um, reviews and content that go over different tokusatsu and kaiju movies, shows, whatever, whatnot. Um, and only give something that's like entertaining, but also possibly like educational, I uh, try to like delve into some of the backstory behind like as much information as, as I can gather on some things, um, you know, like maybe how things were made or uh, certain aspects that went into like uh, the forming of a movie or whatnot. Um, and I just try to try as hard as I can uh, to be funny. <laughs> we know how that goes. And we know we know the uh, failure that accompanies it. <laughs> Well, we like to have people that are smarter than us on the podcast uh, and that actually know some background information. So it's good that we have you because we pretty much consider no background information whenever we do our reviews. You know, Alex? Yeah. Well, my, my favorite thing still is that I was the expert at the beginning of this. And then very quickly, I was yeah. humbled. <laughs> Very yeah, quickly. Very quickly, we, we learned that neither one of us are experts. <laughs> uh, so, Bryce, tell me, uh, what made you want to start a YouTube channel of your own? It seems kind of, it's it, it, there's a lot out there, right? There's a lot of YouTube channels out there. What made you want to start a channel of your own? Um, well, as I put down the production notes, I... Uh, I enjoy a lot of pain and suffering, honestly. So I just, <laughs> um, but no, uh, so, uh, I kind of like, I guess like not a short answer, but not a long answer either. Um, kind of ever since I was a child, I've always been, uh, creatively inclined, um, back, like back when I was like five, I wanted to be like a cartoonist. Um, and then that changed as I grew up into like animation when I, I kind of started getting into like anime, um, and stuff like that. And, uh, eventually in high school, I took uh, theater for the first time and I found out that I actually enjoy that a lot too. And then I, um, I, I like, it was just kind of a mixture of different things, but YouTube was a platform that came up and I had been thinking about doing stuff on YouTube for many years, but just, I didn't exactly have like a, a certain um, uh, succinct idea for it, you know, because there's just, there is so many, there are so many YouTube channels. There's so mm -hmm. much stuff on there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I kind of got back into tokusatsu like, and kaiju stuff like in the last several years and like really got into it in the fandom. And I kind of thought, you know, I think I want to do something related to this and bring it to YouTube and bring my own uh, style and flair to it. You, you mentioned that you got into tokusatsu, but what is it that got you into Godzilla and Kaiju in the first place? Like, was it love from a young age or is it something that someone kind of introduced you to? So like ever since I was young, like I've always had like an affinity for dinosaurs um, mm -hmm. very much, mm -hmm. but I want to say, I can't really say like exactly what age, but I know that we owned on VHS, uh, Godzilla versus the sea monster and King Kong versus Godzilla. And I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure one of those was my very first Godzilla movie. Um, and I remember my grandmother, uh, and I like laughing at some parts of like versus King Kong 
Um, especially <laughs> where like there's a part where you can kind of see some of the spears that they throw oh, yeah. at the octopus yes. bounce off of like the screen or stuff like that. <laughs> I always remembered her commenting on that, but I've always had like a, I'm pretty sure dinosaurs kind of like pushed me into that direction of like liking huge mm. uh, creatures and whatnot. And um, then basically when I was young, uh, it was, I got into things like uh, Power Rangers, uh, Big Bad Beetleborgs, VR Troopers, like all of the American tokusatsu stuff that came mm. over here. Mm-hmm. So like that was just a huge like breeding ground for me, just like my uh, my fascination for everything just grew from that. Yeah, the ni- the 90s were a perfect time for that. Like it's not one of those like I don't want to put on the the nostalgia glasses for that, but it really was the 90s. It was like that time for all of that stuff, yeah. <laughs> what was that show Beetleborgs? Yeah. Is that what you just referenced? Yeah, yeah I big remember bad that. Beetleborgs. But- but I haven't thought about that in 20 years at least. <laughs> like, it has been forever. Oh, man. Now, now, Bryce, I get the impression that you might be more of a kaiju fan or tokusatsu fan than a Godzilla fan. Would you say that's a fair characterization of you? Um, yes. Oh. <laughs> it. So I definitely would say that before, like, I would have called myself like a maybe five years ago or so a Godzilla fan more than anything. But, um, after watching things like in the last like five years, like, cause I had seen like, uh, say the first movie from like Gamera, um, mm-hmm. the Gamera trilogy and everything like mm-hmm. that. And then I actually watched the Gamera trilogy and I've, I've gotten back into things like, uh, started a little bit into Ultraman. I've been getting really heavily into common writer, and yeah, I just realized, like, in general, I feel like I am more of just a broad tokusatsu fan um, than just straight up, like, Godzilla or one um, series, per mm. se. Nice. It's yeah. really hard for me to, like, pin one down. Uh, real quick, yeah. what's a, uh, recommend me a Common Writer series. <laughs> Ooh, um, so. So, I just started Kuga, and I am, like, ten episodes into the original series. Okay. So, actually, Kuga really is, like, um, I think Kuga is, like, phenomenally good uh, for a Kamen Rider series. So, I think that's good. I have not tried the original um, Kamen Rider, but uh, I know I've seen. Now, it's hard. I'll say this. It's very hard to find. Um, <coughs> yeah. But uh, I've so seen. Uh, but no, I've seen Common Rider Black. Um, mm. That's been another one. Like it was one of the last show Showa era Common Riders, but that one was like the first long to form series I've seen. Um, other than that, I've heard good things about like Agito, um, which I believe is like the next one after Kuga. Um, I feel like there's a couple other ones. Like, I don't remember the exact names for them, hmm. um, but like that, I definitely Kuga, maybe if you can find Agito, but like they're and Kamen Rider Black, like those are definitely some ones that I um, put up there. Also Kamen Rider Zeto, or it's like, it's written Z O. It's like a short film. Yes. Um, I think Eric watched that. I have. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I it's, love that. Uh, that one's also good and it's also shorter. So it like, it gives like, if you're not sure about it, it's like, watch this movie. And if you're digging what you see, you know, then you're probably going to enjoy some other different series. Hmm. 
Um, yeah. Good to know. Good to know. So I, I did want to ask you another question real quick. How did you get the name Professor Kaiju? So back when I was five, my father fell down with a horrible illness. Um, and no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, uh, I, you know what? I'd like to, <laughs> I try to even remember <laughs> where I just know that I wanted to come up with a name. All right. So maybe a little spicy take. Um, first off, like I, I know it's a very kind of it's a bit generic, um, but like I was trying to go for something that was a little bit generic and kind of just a funny kind of name. I wanted to have something that was like, a, uh, you know, there's quite a few YouTubers who usually like have like maybe some type of like aesthetic. And I thought about like, oh, you know, I could wear something that would be like, uh, um, you know, eye catching or something right. like that. Um, and it was just like, you know, there's like professors or doctors or whatever like that are always like very much associated in like kaiju movies mm-hmm, or kaiju mm-hmm. series. So like, that's kind of what I went with. But <laughs> originally before like putting on the lab coat thing, I had, uh, thought about trying to find a, uh, a straight up tweed jacket, like an actual, like professor, <laughs> professor, um, but trying to find one that could actually fit me because I'm six, two and I have broad shoulders, um, very hard. Uh, so, and I like, I wanted the elbow patches and everything, but like, right, I couldn't yes. find that. So I went down and just got a lab coat, but honestly, um, I'm happy with that anyway, because the tweed jacket, I probably would have died of heat exhaustion by this point. So yeah. no, I like the lab coat. Well, the lab coat is a nice touch. I, I, <laughs> I, I want to give you a, a tip though. Oh, so sure. you, you said, you know, you wanted something that was kind of maybe a little eye catching, a little different. And you, it is a visual medium. You too. What, what do you think about nudist kaiju? Um, <laughs> so that's definitely an interesting idea. Um, <laughs> it depends. Like uh, maybe if I had like a fear that clothing was like the enemy of the people and would take over my mind because it was like yeah. an alien race that I might might be might be into the whole nudist uh mm. yes <laughs> i apologize i apologize i did not know where he was going with that price, uh, I, I i didn't either but uh no uh, trust me i've i've listened enough that i i i knew what to kind of expect when i came out here so <laughs> and it wasn't much <laughs> well let's go ahead then uh and and talk about Gridman. This is a perfect transition from from nudist <laughs> kaiju to Gridman. But I will say before we jump in to uh, the series introduction here, this is going to be a spoiler filled episode. Um, though I will say I was spoiled on the show. Like I, though someone tweeted about it. Actually, Tokyo, someone from Tokyo Lives tweeted about it, and so I knew the ending of the show. I'm glad you called them out, like you should have. I, yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't think it hindered my viewing experience much, if at all. So mm. take that for what it's worth. If you want to be spoiled, I, I, I didn't, it didn't hinder my experience. I don't think, um, if you would rather not be spoiled, go binge watch the show for the next three hours and then just pause this and then come back yeah. and listen to it. It is a right? brisk 12 <laughs> episodes and it's the, and yeah. without the intros and outros, it's probably not even 20 minutes per episode. So it's it is, it's is easy quick. to to uh, digest. Yep. So let's jump into it. I'll start us off with our series introduction, and then we'll jump right in. So here we go. According to Studio Trigger, SSSS Gridman is not a reboot, but it builds upon the previous series entries. When describing the show to someone who hasn't hadn't seen it, you could describe it in so many different ways. 
Director Akira Amamiya has said the story would focus on the youth of Japan and their relationship with te- with technology. Is this an accurate depiction of the show, or would you describe it differently to someone completely unfamiliar with its premise? Mm. And Bryce, I'd like to start with you. What do you think about that description of the show? Would you describe it like that or completely differently? I would say that, yes, it is, but... <sighs> I would also say that like, it's definitely not a direct reboot. I'd almost feel like it's almost like a soft reboot because a lot of the same themes from the original Gridman are there or like the, Mm. uh, the structure Um, Mm. because the original show was revolved around three children um, and it was two boys, one girl uh, Naoto um, Yuka and uh, Ipe. And they were basically had the same dynamic, like, uh, Naoto was the kid who got the acceptor and would fuse with Gridman. Um, and you know, it, it had a lot of the same stuff in it, but it's definitely different enough that it's not like verbatim, you know, the same right. show or anything. Right. And yeah. And like, you don't need to have seen the original Gridman to understand the show. It definitely tells its own story and everything, but um, definitely, if you are a fan or you've seen the old series and including the uh, the Americans uh, version, you can definitely see a lot of uh, little Easter eggs and references to things uh, weaved into the show. Wow. Hmm. Nice. Now, Alex, what did, what did you think about that description? I, I thought it was not something I even saw. Like, <laughs> I didn't perceive this message at all. Like, I saw a lot of other things, you know. I saw like uh, the technology message, like, right? I like didn't. See, I didn't the focus see... of the youth of Japan with the relationship with technology. No, <laughs> you I, didn't see I, that. I didn't yeah. really see that. Um, I saw characters that were uh, that were resembling uh, fantasies of Akane. Uh, I saw some wish fulfillment, and I saw projection. But the tech thing, it if it was there, it kind of went over my head, except for maybe the exception of like this over reliance on technology in order to defeat. <laughs> the evil, but there was no other option. So I'm like, I don't really see the, I don't see what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And I don't think it's, it's there. What I, what I would say is, yeah, like, well, I do think it's there, but I don't think it's the only thing there. Right. Like, I actually think you could read it uh, as a bit of a metaphor for, for our relationship with technology and, and, and sometimes how we can be consumed by that. And I think if you watch the show with that sort of mindset, you can definitely find those connections between yeah. this world Akne creates and in general, our relationships, you know, not just youth, but all of us that have used technology and social media, our relationships with technology, how they can become absorbing and these new worlds in and of themselves. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you about, Bryce, was the differences between the Japanese and the English dub of the show. I've only seen the English dub. I think you've watched both. So what would you report as the differences between the two? Um, I'd say the biggest difference is that uh, one of them is in English and the other one is in Japanese. (laughs) There you go. Good. Um, Very interesting. Okay. Interesting. um, Interesting. No, let's no, dig like, into this a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's uh there really as far as like I had was able to tell, they pretty much solidly are um the same things. There are a couple very small differences between the two, such as 
Um, some of the words that wording that they use in certain episodes. Um, so there's definitely a couple extra references. I feel like in the English to the, uh, to the American adaptation of Gridman back from the nineties, uh, superhero samurai cyber squad. Um, mm-hmm. but like, other than that, there isn't a lot to me. Like, I don't feel like there's a huge difference. Only the, maybe how some of the voices are done as well. Um, because like in the Japanese version, they get back the original, uh, Japanese voice actor for Gridman from the show. Oh, original cool. show. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. He reprises his role. And when it comes to the English, they weren't able to do anything like that insane, but, uh, the voice actor for Alexis, uh, Barry Yandel, he, he does a, uh, as a very, very good, uh, impersonation of, um, the original, uh, voice actor for, uh, what was his name in the English? Uh, Kilo Khan, the villain in superhero Samurai cyber squad, who was done by Tim Curry. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and w- which had caught me off guard when I first watched the English. Cause I wondered why he sounded that him. way. Right. Yeah, no, no. But like it, it hit me cause I remembered, Oh no, that's right. It was done by Tim Curry. That's why he has like such that like flair to his voice. But uh, yeah, they're, there really isn't like a huge difference, which I'm kind of happy about because it's sometimes um, it's sometimes like a little, I don't know, disheartening or annoying to me that when like a, if there is a huge difference between the two that like someone could miss like yeah. a huge chunk of like what was being told if you watched right. one version over the right. other. So Alex, did you, you just watched the English dub? Too, yeah. Right? What, did, what did you, what did you think about the English dub? I think it's well acted. I think it's well done. There's no characters that I thought were poorly done. I, I, there's, I have no complaints about the voice acting in it, but to be fair, I also rarely have complaints with modern anime voice acting. The, the biggest complaint usually is I hear the same voice actors over and over. And they do little to change themselves, but <laughs> mm. that's not a complaint about the series. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think this is a solid dub as well. Another question I wanted to consider was: were the pretty much constant allusions to other shows? Mm. And the most obvious to me being Neon Genesis Evangelion and Ultraman. Now, normally, I think this sort of obvious reference to similar shows might not work, but. Due to the nature of this show, it actually does, and I think it works perfectly. So my question to both of you is, what illusions stand out, and why do you think the creators wanted to add these references into the show? And Bryce, we'll start with you. Uh, I think the uh, <laughs> the one that stood out the most to me probably is just the Neon Genesis Um, When they just call them the Neon Genesis Junior High School students, which it stands out the most to me, not only because of just how ridiculous the name is, but the ridiculousness that they're trying to pass them off as middle schoolers. Um, Because I'm like, okay, Max is obvious is like that. He's got to be like over 30. Um, (laughs) The same with like caliber. Like he looks Uh like he's probably like maybe early thirties. And Uh, I like uh, that people only react to caliber's looks, not to his swords. (laughs) (laughs) That, yeah, that too. Or, well, how about like Max's, you know, Bane mask that he's got going Uh on too. You know, there's that, but, um, Vit looks like he could be like college level, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Boar is the only one who looks like they might be young enough, but I feel like they should probably be in like elementary school more than anything. Um, <laughs> but uh, they definitely, that was a big reference. Um, but like also the, like the, uh, the Ultraman stuff. I'd like to say like, uh, I think the creators want to add references with like, say Ultraman, because I mean, first off, it's the, it's the show. It's, it's the same company, you know, uh, Subaraya does Gridman. Um, or did Gridman. Um, and I feel like with that, it's just, I don't know, like little playful nods to the series and those who like enjoyed the Ultraman series growing up. It was the same with um, the original Gridman show. They didn't do it as heavily, but there were definitely nods. Um, I believe Ipe, who kind of is like Utsume from the anime. Uh, I'm pretty sure in one episode, he said something about the Ultra series or something oh, yeah. along those yeah. lines. So yeah, it's a, uh, same thing there, just uh, possibly a little bit of nostalgia there. I mean, it could be, too, from the creators that they um, nostalgia from Ultraman, you know, like just throwing little references here and there. So, yeah, yes, for sure. Uh, I think I think the way they did it was really cool. And I think what you mentioned, Eric, is really important. And it's how the creators added these references to the show, because Akane is the creator of this world, and so she's adding all these references in herself. And I think that's because this is a passion that Akane has uh, in the real world. When we, you know, we see her wake up, and we see a few hints that that is something she cares about in the real world, and it's clearly something that she's not very comfortable with. And I, I say that because we see how much she, time she spends in her room with bags of trash. And there's really is pretty much zero externalizations of this passion that she has, except mm-hmm. for the one time she shows it, and it's to manipulate show into dropping his guard. And it's really interesting to see her do that to, to the one character that is completely comfortable with his passion. And like you said, I think he actually mentions like the Ultra series like four times at one point. Uh, just like he must have a weakness, like the, in the Ultra series, and mm-hmm. even uh, one of the, uh, even one of the, the Gridman Alliance even makes fun of him at one point, asking him, uh, w- wondering where he is, so they can find out what to do in the Ultra series. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I really like the way that they do this. And I like that we get to see all these all these different Ultraman characters in the background in her room. It's really cool. And I like that his pat that shows passion actually is a useful tool in some of the battles. He's actually interested in the finding the weaknesses and things like that. So I think the showing these references is a way to show how uncomfortable Akane is with it while illustrating how useful it is for someone like show who's embraced it. And I think that really comes to a head when, because I'm I'm under the assumption that show is completely made up, just like all the other characters. I mean, it's, <laughs> they, um, but yeah, show says a line to her. It's, it's he's he, that he's surprised that a girl is into this stuff, and uh-huh. I think that really illustrates how uncomfortable she is with this hobby. Yeah, and, and that's interesting, Alex. And that last part that you're talking about kind of gets into what I want to talk about next, which are the theories of the show. Because <laughs> there's so many different directions that you could take this conversation in. Uh, and I definitely think, like, we see her wake up there at the end, and we know, like, okay, so so Akane was the creator 
of this show. And you kind of, you get that before, like even before you get that final moment, yes. uh, which I think really just puts the nail in it. Even before that, it's like about episode eight or nine, you realize what's happening here. Um, but that doesn't take away, in my opinion, from what happens. Just because these characters are made up, in a sense, doesn't make them any less real to Akane. Um, mm-hmm. So one of my favorite aspects, and this is the, the aspect that I wanted to touch on a little bit just from my own geeky end, is one of my my aspects that I enjoyed was this idea that Akane is like God, right? And she changes her relationships, or as her relationships with the world changes, you know, she changes as this God and as this person by interacting with her creations. I'm not a theologian, but I've studied a bit of theology, and there's this process or there's this concept called process theology. And it's, its basic premise is that God changes alongside the world in relationship. Now, this isn't quite like open theism, um, if you're familiar with that, which is just a more popular view of God's relationship to the world. It's like that, but it's even more relational. So in the world of SSSS Gridman, Akane is kind of this mix of process theology and open theism, and that she allows herself to change as a person, due to the relationship she has had with her creation. And I quite like that idea as a creator myself, that something that I've created or the creative process itself can actually change me mm-hmm. as a person. And I think the other aspect to keep in mind there is that these creations of Akane seem to have freedom to make choices. Oftentimes mm-hmm. choices that Akane does not agree with. She doesn't know the future. And so that seems to grant her the ability to change. Hmm. So there's a lot there uh, and, and there's a lot to unpack there. But what do you think about that, Alex? Yeah, I, I, li- I like a lot of what you said, even though if I even if I uh, don't know anything about what you said, because that was a. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but, uh, you know, I, and maybe I'm going to step on some of the stuff you said already, but I perceived it more like she is this God of this land and she creates it. Mm-hmm. But once she sets things in the motion, like you said, she has no control of it anymore. Uh, right. And we really see that once the fog is destroyed, she loses all control, which is why I think, I think this is why she has to use Kaiju to essentially create an alternate timeline. Cause that, that really illustrates that she has set the dominoes and they're already falling and she can't change it. So she creates that Kaiju that creates an alternate timeline essentially. And, or I guess it's a dream state. But it's because she can't alter the things herself. So the most she can do in this land that she's created is really reset the memories of the people who have not come into contact with Gridman. Gridman. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gridman. Um, But you're right in that we do see Akane's creation change her. But I think it's only because of Gridman's existence in the world. I think this is really highlighted highlighted in this really behind-the-scenes moment where uh, after, in the first episode, she kills these students that uh, stepped on one of her... or they hit a ball and it damaged one of her sandwiches and she got mad. And then right. in the next episode, she bumps into a teacher who doesn't say sorry. And her whole goal was to kill him this time but he gets saved now we don't know if that is the moment that he changed but we do know that later on he bumps into yuda who is gridman as we find out like we find out that they are one in the same and 
as soon as he bumps into him, he says sorry. And later in the series, we actually see him excited to be participating in things with students. Whereas, you know what, this might actually tie into your technology thing. The, 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 uh, he is like so self-absorbed into his phone and both instances where he bumps into a student that he ignores them. But later in the series, mm. we really see him participate in the, in the festival that they hold at the school and he gets really into it. And I think yeah. it's Gridman's existence that really changes these things. Well, that's cool. Um, and, and honestly, I think what you said there, Alex, doesn't go against anything that I said. Yeah, that's all. You're, that's exactly kind of what I was saying. So that's that's cool. All right, trust uh, in my thunder. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. <laughs> it, it was it was reinforcing my theory. I, I appreciated that. Bryce, what, what what do you have? What what are your kind of thoughts and impressions of of what to make of this show? And it's ending. Do you have any theories of your own? Um, I've had some, and I, I know I've heard information from other fans who have like delved into some of the other, uh, materials that like, aren't exactly easy for us over here to find. Like they have like a lot of audio dramas, uh, that came out for the show and stuff, but like what I have gathered from the show and everything is that, um, like you put it together that like uh, Alexis came into contact with Akane, you know, that this whole uh, world was created through um, through his intervention. You know, he gave her the ability to create this world and she became the God of it mm-hmm. and everything um, that. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, uh, Alex, with the whole that I think it was through Gridman like changing things. Like, I don't think that. Akane would have changed on her own because it also that ties into Gridman's like hidden ability that he shows oh, at the right. end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, which is, you know, something that would happen in the original show. And that's like every time there would be a kaiju or a virus uh, that would like attack some piece of technology and it would turn it like, you know, evil or whatever the kaiju would like start like messing around and like destroying like uh the the city um and gridman after defeating them would fix the like the core of the machine and revert it back to normal Hmm. and i feel like that that kind of ties in with that ability that uh because he was there and he basically saved the teacher the teacher kind of like fixed himself you know it was kind of like reaching out and yeah being able to like uh help someone but the whole thing um because i've heard the dream uh the whole dream thing thrown around a lot and like yeah i definitely kind of thought about that before myself but like the original Gridman, it all took place inside the computer like computer world like Gridman would go into the computer and go through all the stuff and they kind of hinted that inside of all machinery there was a sec there was a a, a separate world inside of it and Hmm. from what we see like the end of the show the entire like like planet that they're on getting like fixed by gridman's like a fixer beam Mm -hmm. it it kind of like indicates to me that this really is just like a computer world that akane like she created it inside of this like digital space um Mm -hmm. And beforehand, they were kind of just like these digital like programs, um, but like they are they are legitimate, like their own beings, like maybe they're not exactly like human human beings, but they are their own beings with like thought and uh, free will and everything. Um, So. 
I've lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> well, I wanted to ask like, you a question. I, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Uh, but there, there's, there so much to un- there's so much to unpack. <laughs> that other that other planet. Am I remembering right, Bryce? That that other planet that descends from above. That is where the main, the original Gridman show takes place, right? That's a hint to the Gridman world, right? That we're well, shown in y- that series. Yes, sort of. Like, that's always, like, what that world looked like when Gridman would go and fight the kaiju. It was, yeah, basically, that was, like, inside the computer or, like, cyberspace that they would mm. go into. Um, and, like, every every time he would enter a different area, it would look, it would have that same aesthetic to it. Um, and that's why, like, my whole thought is that this is within that world because it also ties in with, um, trying to remember, the... Uh, the kaiju girl that they meet. Yes. Um, oh, she, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Because she, she is basically the descendant of another kaiju. And you see that kaiju at the very last episode, like for a brief, you know, like five frames or whatever. Um, that kaiju was a kaiju from like an early episode of Gridman, And it was an actual, like a good, like kaiju. Like it would just like defend hmm. its own area. Um, and the villain turned it evil and Gridman basically healed it and reverted it back to its normal self. But it also protected what they called a a music spirit, like a legitimate being inside the, the cyber world that like was with that Kaiju. And um, she references that in her episode, something about like music spirits and they're, yeah. So like, yeah, you know, I just remembered that I really should have like written a couple things down, but uh, <laughs> this, the, 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 the idea is that, and this is not even coming from me. This is coming from another guy who, you know, you might want to like, I'm not sure he might, might want to like reach out to him at some point, but uh, Mike Dent um, on Twitter, uh, he has like a, a channel called um, oh, crap, uh, vintage Henshin. Uh, but he I remember reading like a thread of his where there this music spirit was supposed to be its own like uh, be, like it had its own name even like it was its own creature inside the world. And the idea is that these people might be like the people inside Akane's world might actually be that same species like they are digital beings Mm. of their own whatever and that's why that kaiju appears in that world because they are all in that same like cyberspace you know so it's uh there's a lot to it but then i've i've seen a lot of other stuff that just it starts getting like really really deep and crazy (laughs) here's here's the good thing though and here's what i like is like you can I I enjoy having fun with theories like that. And I like going deep with things, but you also just don't have to with this show, because I think this show offers a little bit of everything. And I think whether they're a part, these characters are a part of a dream or they are uh, part of a simulation or they are human beings, whatever they are, they're all within a TV show and they're all characters created by someone somewhere. (laughs) Right. And it makes us think about a little bit what it means to be fictional in a sense, at least for me. Um, So I I just think it's all interesting to think about. And I really think the last five episodes of the show really get me thinking in some interesting ways. Um, But before we we jump into our awards, I do want to say real quick, uh, 
Bryce Professor Kaiju is going to stick around for MVM Plus today. He's agreed. I don't know how we got him to stick around, but he's agreed to, <laughs> to talk a little bit longer with us. Uh, but we're going to talk about some of his favorite anime series. Um, this Gridman Hyper Agent series that Subaraya is releasing on YouTube, I guess this week. <laughs> and also the potential spinoff anime Gridman series that uh, is in the works kind of uh, uh, veering off a little bit from Gridman. We're going to talk about all those things uh, over at MVM Plus, where you can join us at patreon.com slash MVMPod. But now, let's jump into the awards. And Alex, I want to start with you, as always. Who do you have for your coolest human character? And I wanted to... That's that's a weird word, even, for this award. But I wanted to distinguish between Kaiju and human character. Yes. So who's your coolest human character here? Well, it's a good uh, thing in, in the series. It's a good thing you distinguished because I was very close to picking uh an Oscillus the second, which is the little girl kaiju that as you were talking about earlier gives Utah the I guess the music spirits or whatever it is to show him that the world is actually uh being assembled when they leave it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like when they go on the little trip and she's the one that's like kind of can grow and all that stuff. She's at the end. Uh, I, I had her cause she is pretty cool and we don't know anything about her, which makes her even more cool, but you made <laughs> me pick somebody else. So, <laughs> um, I actually picked, uh, what was her name? Or Orie Takarada, Orie Takarada. And she is just the coolest mom. <laughs> Let's be real. Like, she is so chill and relaxed. Like, yeah, her daughter works at the store, but then she brings all these people. She doesn't bat an eye when someone loses their memory. She doesn't bat an eye when a guy with swords walks in. I mean, she like these, all these people show up. She even gives them the computer for free at the end. Or actually, mm-hmm. yeah, I think she gives it to them for free. They might. They, I know they pay for it at once and then they return it. So I don't know if they actually paid her for it the second time, but she's just so <laughs> chill. And I was reading about her, and her color scheme is all based on Megatron from the original uh, Transformers series. Nice. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Apparently uh, all the Bryce, characters... What about you? Uh, well, real quick. Apparently all the characters' yeah. character schemes are based off different Transformers from the original, or from different Transformers series. That's cool. Mm. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Uh, Bryce, who'd you have? Uh, I would like to say, yes, the, the mom add this to, to Alex's comment. Yeah. The, the mom, she is extremely chill. There are so many random strangers coming into her place and she just does not seem to be worried that her daughter is hanging out with them or anything like that, um, whatsoever. But yeah, um, my, my favorite, my coolest character choice. Uh, and I feel a little bad because I do feel like this is probably the, Honestly, the, the the one of the best choices in the show is just Akane herself, um, mm-hmm. because she essentially to me um, and a lot of other people I've seen a lot of other people say this is that she's basically the main character of the show. Like, you know, a, a, a Utah, like technically is the main character. You know, he's combining with Gridman. He's saving the day. But the character who changes the most and who has the most depth like in the show is Akane and mm-hmm. it's honestly very interesting, especially the fact that she's the villain, you know, in the show. Mm-hmm. So it's um 
all the stuff with her, you know, there's a lot of surface level stuff like what you were saying before, Eric. The show has a lot of surface level stuff that you can just watch it and enjoy it for what it is. But there's a lot of like deeper things that you can dive into. And Akane is basically the one who has like the deepest stuff you can glean from. So, yes, hmm. no, Akane is is a great choice. Yes. And. You know, she might actually be, as far as we know, she's the only real human character in this show. <laughs> so she might have been the perfect choice. Um, I'm going to choose Caliber. It, I don't even know if that counts for my criteria, but I'm choosing Caliber. Uh, I just Is think, he human, though? Eh, he's, he's not Kaiju. Sword. And that's what I was trying. That's what I was, this is true. He's a sword. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a stretch, uh, but I was I just think he's so chill. He, he's not uh, like the mom. He's chill in a different sort of way. Um, <laughs> I just like how no one really takes notice of a guy carrying a sword around. He just moves so slow everywhere, and he just seems like he never wants to really get into action. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Caliber. He, he's a great character. He also looks easily like he should be on several watch lists. <laughs> the way he uh, the way he acts and everything. Yeah, but yeah, I I love him. The very oh, yeah. first scene where he walks into the sh- uh the store and slams his swords and falls down, just it's great, so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what about your uh, most memorable line, Bryce? Uh, well, I remembered now that I meant to look at this again. <laughs> um, because I just I put one down just uh just out of like uh because i had remembered this certain line um and i see that actually one of you chose uh another line that i think i was thinking of putting down but basically uh the line it's from episode 11 uh alexis saying to akane um i Mm. think you misunderstand me i'm fine with you becoming a kaiju yourself and i really like this line because for the majority of the show with Alexis, we know he's obviously the one, the the big bad in the show, and uh-huh. that he's definitely you know, the uh, the the mastermind. You know, he's giving Akane the ability to do the things that she does. But for the most part, he's been very chill with her. He's been very seemingly nice with her. Like it almost seems like he's like buddy buddy with her. Uh-huh. He almost seems like he cares about her. But the last couple episodes, you realize that he really has no attachment to her um and i think this one specifically yeah when he says that he really doesn't care what happens to her he only uses her because he gets something out of it Mm. and i think just seeing that one line where all of that is completely that facade is dropped and it's just like i don't really care if i can i'll i'll turn you into a monster as well to just you know do to get rid of Gridman. you know it's Mm -hmm. yeah there's just something about that yeah, I really like that. Uh, for me, I was trying to think of what's what's the line that stands out to me. And then I realized, you know, the line that stands out to me <laughs> is basically the whole theme song at the beginning, right? The opening theme <laughs> it's so is good. so good. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and I don't know if there's another anime that just basically, to me, in my the way that I view the show, the opening song basically gives me the whole show. Uh, that was kind of weird, but that basically gives me the whole show in that opening theme. Um, there's just so many connections that you can make there to some of the like uh, ideas that the show is trying to present. Um, but I chose, I think it's the last line or, or close to the last line of the song 
where it says, I've come to rescue you from boredom, which which ties into this idea that Akane is this creator uh, and she's building this world out of boredom in some sense, um, which, which I just think is really interesting. And I, I, there's another line in the song that talks about, you know, in the face of, of basically nihilism, all we can do is form an alliance together. And I just think that's another cool idea from that opening theme. But mm-hmm. uh, I could talk about that theme longer. But Alex, what do you got for your most memorable line? <laughs> uh, I have a line from Akane. She's this is like when she's riding on the bus with Rika and they're Rika's trying to connect with her. And she says, um, wouldn't it be better if you could dream forever? And Rika has a response that is to the effect of everyone has to wake up sometime. And I I really like that. Like that's when we really see that we, we see it throughout, but this is the real illustration of how depressed Akane really is and how sad she is because Mm -hmm. it's clear that she won't even let herself have good things uh, because she gets mad at everything. She's got a short temper but I think a lot of it is self-destructive on purpose. And I think that this mm. is a, a really good illustration of just her entire character at this point. Yeah. That, so that, Alex, cool. <laughs> uh, I, I don't mean to be one of those people. Oh no. Um, uh, <laughs> but um, it was actually you about the line, because this was like one of the lines I was going to, I was thinking about like throwing in there. Um, but Technically, that was when she talked to Yuta. Oh, she was talking it? to Yuta. Yeah, because he then he replies with, "Yeah, everyone has to wake up." And it was actually his line that I was thinking about putting down. Ah. Um, was that that everyone has to wake up at some point because there's like a lot of extra meaning to that when you realize that part of Gridman is inside of him. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like that idea that, yeah, Gridman is kind of talking to her and realizing, like, you can't just run away from all of your problems. You You're know, right. you have to eventually you have to, like, come out of this and realize you have to deal with your own stuff, you know, but yes, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't mean to be one of those. Right. But <laughs> man, I pictured this happening on the bus, but this is what happens when you watch it in two and a half days. <laughs> well, there's another there's another moment with Rika in the bus that's a very similar conversation. Uh, not that exact conversation, but it is very similar. So I could see how you got that confused, Alex. I'm not I'm not trying to excuse you. Don't no no listener get that wrong. I'm not trying to excuse Alex. He's wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yeah, I I almost was nice to Alex there, but I took it back. <laughs> Alex, Thank what you. about your uh, can't believe that voice acting award? Mm, no, I'm done. I give up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think mine just has to go to. You know, I kind of wanted to give it to Caliber, but I'm going to double dip. I'm going to give it to the voice actress for Ori Takarada because she does that, that she does that melancholy. I don't care so perfectly, like (laughs) completely (laughs) apathetic. But then it's also she really does a really understated job of showing she cares towards the end once she understands what Gridman is and what they're actually doing. And I just really her character is just so likable. I just I need a show for yeah. just her. <laughs> you, I, one thing I noticed about you, Alex, is that you really appreciate 
the moms of kaiju everywhere, right? Of, of these kaiju shows and movies. You're just mm. a, you're just kind of a, a mom fan, Alex. One could saw, call me a uh, mommy's boy. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to ask a question. This is a family-friendly podcast, right? Yes. Okay. Well, then I, mean, I won't. I won't as much add as we possibly stuff. can. Yes. <laughs> Cougar hunter. <laughs> uh, uh, Bryce, what about you? What was your can't believe that voice acting award? Um. So for me, it was it was definitely the English actor uh, Barry Yandel doing Alexis Carob's voice. Um. I, I think just the way he handles him and it really is a it, it's definitely a when you first listen to it, it definitely sounds a little bit indulgent. It's like, wow, this guy is really hamming up. But like when you realize or know the connection with um uh, Tim Curry from the original English adaptation, like it, it, it makes sense. And like, I really enjoy the way he just like mm-hmm. indulges in most of like every line he has and mm-hmm. throughout the show. Um, and he definitely comes off very villainous through like yeah. most of the show. Yeah, no, that's a great choice. That really is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Stephen Fu is the actor's name. English dub actor for anti slash grid night. Grid night and anti. They don't have too much. Um, they don't have many dynamics, right? Because anti is pretty single minded in his pursuit of destroying Gridman. But there are moments that that stand out to me. And I think the the actor here, Stephen Fu, just does a fantastic job Mm -hmm. of portraying a character that's not quite human, uh, but has some human characteristics. Uh, So I was really impressed by that performance. That that voice actor has been in several animes. You probably recognize his voice. You've heard him before, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I know he's in My Hero Academia, um, several different things, so. Yeah, he's actually all over the place, he, but he did great here. He would have been my he was like my secondary choice, honestly, too, yeah. for this. Yeah, I really enjoyed Auntie's performance. Do do you yeah. think that character will be in this spinoff series? I actually really hope so. Like I honestly, think he will. I think him let, and this girl from it. Yeah, let's talk it. about it. Let's talk about it in MVM Plus. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Preview. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 talk about you it. I do want to talk me. about that more. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, <laughs> standout animated sequence award. Kind of a different award for an anime series here. Um, Alex, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, mine's mine's gotta be the Gridman and Grid Knight team up in the big final battle. It is just so well choreographed. It, it's too short. I, you know, I wanted it to go on longer, but it is just awesome. And then there's like this awesome shot at the end where, you know, they're standing in front of an explosion together after defeating one of the one of the <laughs> other kaiju. And, the classic, you know, classic I'm a big pose. fan. It was. It was like that superhero <laughs> landing equivalent in anime, mm-hmm. and so I was all about it. It was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What about you, Bryce? What was your standout animated sequence? Um, so I'll be honest with you. Most of the time, I feel like these answers I have are kind of cheap because <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I'm just choosing like the biggest thing in <laughs> some of these. But it really is like the last uh, the the final battle between uh, Gridman and Alexis. Like, hmm. so 
it, it just the, the the very the very beginning of it like really hits me because um it starts with Gridman's original theme song. Um, mm-hmm. which, uh, if anyone out there is listening, who has, who's definitely watched my Gridman reviews knows that I, I love that song as if it were a child of mine. Um, I, I had listened to it so many times that my wife probably considered a divorce at least once. Um, it, it just, it, it's, you guys it, like, danced to that song, right? That was your first dance. At your yeah, wedding, exactly. I and I remember the look on her face and she thought, what, what did I get myself into? Um, especially so, once. He tore his shirt open and he had the grim man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going back to the uh, nudist professor. Oh, God. <laughs> but um, that theme, like, I, I love it so much. But, like, just it starts up that that whole sequence. And I really feel that uh, Trigger just went ham uh, with like that whole everything, like the battle, um, just the way things move and the way things are animated. Like there's a weight between uh, mm-hmm. Gridman fighting Alexis. And there's actually even a couple things in there that are like references to like other fights Gridman had. So like there's a lot of stuff um, in there. And of course, it's also just the v- hero finally fighting the big bad, which I always love. So, oh, yeah, yeah, it's awesome yeah, for sure. Um. My my standout animated sequence actually comes from episode one, and it's the first animated action sequence that we get. And I just think it, it I love it because it sets the tone for the battles that are about to come in, in future episodes. It's just the aesthetic of it. It's it's both slow and fast at the same time, right? You actually get a sense of scale uh, for these characters um, because they are kaiju. You know, uh, which I really appreciated. And then, of course, you get Gridman chopping off Googleos. Is that how you say his name? Googleos. Googleos. Yeah. Yeah. You get Gridman (sighs) chopping off Googleos's head, uh, which is just a fantastic moment. It's so so sad. Mine goes to that entire fight scene in in episode one. I love that sequence. (laughs) Wait, did you say it was so sad? Yes, I I did. (laughs) I did. It was like watching your child die on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that may lead us into our next award, (laughs) Bryce, which is the Kaiju Design Award, a bonus award for this uh, series. So who'd you have for your Kaiju Design Award? Um, So anyone anyone who follows me anywhere on social media, uh, probably easily knows it's it's Googleus. It's the very first kaiju. Honestly, I'm not even sure if that is exactly how you pronounce it, but it's like Googleus or whatever. But like his uh his design has grown on me to a point that it might be like almost like a cult um or religion I've started. <laughs> but I I I really there's something about the design, the the colors, um the uh the, the there's certain points like the uh there was one time that I started actually trying to draw him. And I think that's when I really like got a feel and realized like, I really enjoyed because when you look at his like claws um, and some of his spikes, they're silver and you'll see like little bits that uh, like they're some of the claws and stuff like that are a little thinner than what you might expect them to be. Um, And I looked at that and I realized that like, it was the armature wire that like Akane uses to create her models of oh. kaiju. 
And yeah, it gets actually incorporated into like its actual design and like its own anatomy. And there's that like kind of pushed it. Plus the fact that he acts like the most like um, a man in a suit kaiju in the entire series like the way Mm -hmm. he stumbles about his eyes never actually switch directions like it looks like there (laughs) there should be a man uh unzipping himself out of it Mm -hmm. like in between takes or something so (laughs) all of that together like he just he's my favorite my my favorite thing about you being upset about Googleus getting killed is he gets killed four times in this show because he's Googleus, <laughs> Mecha Googleus, and then Googleus. the big team up with Googleus and Mecha Googleus. Mecha Googleus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Just oh, like the uh, S's, that's the number of uh, times <laughs> that my that heart means, was broken. <laughs> now we know what that means. That means uh, that means severely dead Googleus. Um, <laughs> So uh, mine was actually the uh, Zega, who is the the monster that Akane is turned into, mm. and I really like this one because I I like that it's got that shell on the outside, which is you know pretty pretty in line with her character. You know she has this this wall, this defensive wall all around her, and then I also just like all these different limbs that are out there attacking. And I like how the mouth opens up. Anytime a mouth opens up like a flower, it's absolutely horrifying and really <laughs> cool at the same time. So it, she is hands down, probably my favorite uh, of them. And I think she's an original one for this one. Y- yes. Um, I actually, all of the, all of the designs, as far as I know, except for the, uh, the janitor Kaiju that clean up the city, all of them are, their own original designs for the okay. show. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, you, mine. Yeah. Mine comes from episode 10 and looks like one of you has helped me out here. The, the name is Nanashi. <laughs> Nanashi. Um, and Nanashi is referred to as the heart of Akane and it quite literally bounces all over the place. Um, and <laughs> I, I like it because you know, we we talked about the references before to to Ultraman and Neon Genesis, and and Nanashi to me is what you get if you crossed the Khmer Baton Alien and Ultraman with Ultra Seven's Matron. Yeah, right. It looks exactly like that, and 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 you know, Akane who creates these kaiju is influenced right uh, in some way by that, and I think it's this terrifying combination. That just makes for a great battle with Grid Knight in that episode. Uh, so for me, Nanashi uh, is is my coolest kaiju design. But mm. then we also have one more bonus award, bonus. and that's the excellent episode <laughs> award. Alex, what did you, you have? Uh, mine was a you know er- Eric. You said to me several times. I don't know if you said it on here, but you've texted me several times that you think episodes eight through ten are really the best. Or sorry, eight, eight through twelve are really where the show hits its stride. And I'm not going to disagree, but I think episode six is my favorite uh, because it really builds the mystery of what is happening here because that is the episode where Yuta gets taken by the... I forgot her name. She's the the, the small kaiju uh, back on the train to discover that that when they left the swimming area where they went rafting and all that, it just got it got 
destroyed because it was uh, it gets assembled anyone anytime someone leaves town and that's why people are falling asleep it's because they're not actually traveling anywhere and i really like that 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 big mystery that this thing builds and it really makes you almost feel a little bit of sense of like hopelessness because you're you, that's when you start to feel like is any of this real where are they trapped in mm. uh, like that. Mm-hmm. yeah cool uh bryce what about you um, I'd like to add that, yeah, episode, episode six was actually another was probably the other episode I was thinking about putting down, um, because of all that, where all the, the mystery starts getting unraveled. But, uh, for me, it's episode, it's definitely episode 10, I think, um, because like what you had said, Eric, I really also like Nanashi, both forms of Nanashi, um, and Auntie is also another high up there character. So the combination of this huge fight between them and the reveal of grid night, like all of it yes. culminating, um, uh, auntie, like kind of growing too, because, uh, Akane in that episode even just says to him that you're not a Kaiju anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like he actually has grown as a, as a creature, as a character, as a person, Um, and I just, yeah, it, I'm a sucker also for like, uh, enemies or characters that are kind of like a, uh, like a, a mirror version or some similar version to the hero. So grid Knight, I'm just an enormous fan of, um, so just all of that culminating the same episode. I think it's just, it's just great. Nice. Yeah, that that's an awesome episode. My episode is the episode right before episode nine. And you mentioned your standout line was from this episode, Alex. But yeah. it also has this line where it says, even Akane says, even in dreams, I can't reach them. And this is the episode where she kind of resets all the human characters and, and tries to rebuild their relationships in mm-hmm. dream form. Um, and that's the episode for me where things start to get just even more weird. And you yes. start to put some pieces together. Um, which I really find interesting. And there's that, I, I just like when when a show has that experimental episode. And I think this is that experimental episode. You know, every time there's like a transition, it always goes back to those train tracks and that, that signal, mm-hmm. um, that dinging. And it, I like those experimental episodes in the show. I think this one is done really, really well but also plays a distinct purpose in the overall frame uh, of the show and what it's trying to communicate. So for me, it has to be episode nine. Love it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess that brings us to our rating and ranking. Uh, Bryce, we don't have much of a ranking today (laughs) because we're just uh, talking about, we have uh, to rank it among our anime series so far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is the first. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we'll start with you, though, Bryce. Uh, h- how do you feel about this one? Um, and maybe how does it rank among anime for you in general? So I, in the last several years, I have definitely have not kept up with as many anime um, as I used to back in high school. Uh, I practically like watched everything that I could. Um, but when it comes to uh, to SSSS Gridman. Um, it there was something about it, like just uh, some of it I know has to be nostalgia, but uh, the fact that it combines like two of my favorite types of uh, shows, you know, Tokusatsu and anime, and it does such a good job. It's such like a good love letter 
to the genre as a whole. Um, like it really, like it really captured me in a way that like, honestly, a lot of anime haven't done in a long time. And I also feel that having like the runtime it does of 12 episodes, having complete succinct story from beginning to end, instead of like, you know, as much as I love like being able to watch multiple seasons, I know it's also nice to be able to just sit down and watch like a shorter series and, Mm -hmm. I think it does a pretty good job of that. Like it could have gone on a little bit longer, but I think they did the job well enough with what they had. Um, And yeah, I rank it honestly, like in one of my top, like anime, honestly, just in general. And that could be a little bit of bias, but eh, you know, it's, it, it appeals to me in a lot of different ways. And I would probably say that like, I'd rate it, I want to like if I'm being very honest, I'd probably say it's four point five out of five. Um, But like I also kind of just want to say a five out of five. But I do know that it does have a little bit. You know, there's a little bit of pacing that I know that some people have trouble with. And I do get it. It does drag a little bit at the beginning of the show. So but I I feel like it's pretty close to perfect um, in my eyes. Yeah, no, I like that. I like it. Um, yeah, and I mean, you just mentioned one of my issues. I think the first half of the show, I'm not as big a fan of. And looking back on it, I like the first half of the show more once I've seen the whole thing. But um, as I was watching it initially, I do think there were a few pacing issues just for me personally in that first half. But mm-hmm. episodes eight through 12, especially, I just think are fantastic. And they just keep building and building and giving me more to chew on. Um I do think I would have liked the show even more if I had had that past experience with the past series like you had, Bryce. The ending feels very nostalgic, but I just don't have that nostalgic feeling carrying me. I still really enjoy it. I still think it's well done. I just think I would enjoy it even more if I had that background knowledge. Mm. I also think this is a show that for me is just as fun or more fun thinking and talking about than it is watching it. I think the animation and artwork is aesthetically pleasing. We didn't talk about that too much, but I think it's great. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the slice of life life moments that it portrays are also great. But it's really the themes and the twists and the turns that make me enjoy this series and make me want to come back to this series uh, and watch it again. So I would give this a four out of five overall myself. Yeah. Yeah. I just just mowed through this for the second time. I watched it uh, probably like, Maybe right around December, it feels like this whole year. You know, it's a it, there, there's no t- time doesn't exist in 2020. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I I thought the show on my first viewing was like maybe a three three point five. Like I was a little underwhelmed, mostly because it had been hyped up so much before I'd gotten to it. And then when I saw it, I was like, eh, there's some other stuff I'm watching at the same time. I'm all, I'm kind of liking all of it more than this. Uh, mostly because I think originally it felt a little aimless in ways, despite being 12 episodes. And I think it's mostly because the end of every episode is a kaiju battle that features, especially the first six, seven episodes, it features a new ability coming in. One character jumps in and that new ability solves a problem. And it, it kind of made me lose interest until the back half of the, of the series. Now rewatching it this time, and after talking about it, because I believe we have talked about it a little bit with Tokyo Lives on an MVM Plus episode once, 
I was more inclined to look out for things. I'm looking out for a lot more themes and these types of things, and it made it way more enjoyable. And I enjoyed mm-hmm. the series through and through. I didn't have any problems with the pacing. I didn't really have any of the problems I originally had with the show. And it's like you said, I actually think I enjoy talking about this show more, actually, than I do watching it. <laughs> because it is, <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun to talk about. I like when shows give me something to chew on, just like the Godzilla anime series uh, trilogy did. So with all like the, I wouldn't say that all the characters are nicely fleshed out, but Akane is a great character and she's great and unique in terms of how we get to examine her and debate on whether this, these are her thoughts and views on the world and that type of thing. So since it's so much fun, especially the action scenes, I want to give it an eight because this this series has really sold me on a spinoff coming around, and I really am and looking forward to it now. Alex, what 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 was the rating you wanted to give it? I gave oh no oh my god I gave four, <laughs> I didn't even I didn't a, even have to correct you. Thank four, you guys. A four I, out of five. I actually when I was starting, <laughs> I meant to say. You know, um, I was going to say a really snide remark when I was like, you know, like I uh, normally, you know, I, I, I'm going to give it, a, you know, on a scale of one to five because, you know, you know, only like fools would like do a one to ten scale on this show. <laughs> um, uh, I love but it. I, I love it. Alex, it. you've earned a reputation. You've I earned a reputation. I can't help but convert it to, to out of ten. I don't know why. Um, no. But I'd like no. to. I like to add one extra caveat to my uh, ranking, and um, sure. that is the uh, my other my other other problem with the show is just the 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 fan service, just just a little bit of that fan service with uh, with the characters. Just it it, yeah. it in my age now, I have I have come to be a little uh, uh, it's it's a little awkward sometimes. I'm just. Rewatching agreed. some of the stuff, yeah. <laughs> agreed, agreed. I, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I, I'm right there with you. Um, so let's close this out then with uh, our rhyme time. And Bryce, did you happen to come up with a rhyme this week? Next week we're watching the Mysterians. Any any chance you came up with a rhyme? Or are you going to leave it to us this time? Um, oh, that's fun. That's fun. You just rhymed that out just now. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, actually I did because, um, being on MVM, MVM, I knew that, you know, only like the, the best of people actually prepare themselves and prepare <laughs> their right. rhymes uh, way ahead of time. Um, especially, <laughs> uh, the, the lustrous hosts that, uh, host <laughs> MVM. So yes, I actually do have one. I'm glad you didn't take any jabs today. Yeah, of course not. Why would I do that? <laughs> no, it's Alex? fine. I can edit you out of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right let's see what you got oh uh, am i going first then oh yeah oh yeah we're putting you on the spot oh okay i excellent <laughs> <clears throat> all right Alex needs you to buy time in other words no, oh That's what right right well you see i i see the order that you had okay well all right oh i, I see gotcha. it no i can go <laughs> yeah. first I, I oh no no no! It. It's ready. okay. It's okay. No, Alex, Alex, listen, listen. I listen, I really enjoy time. you, and um, I I think you're really a swell guy. So I will I will give you a little extra time. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Our intrepid hosts hurtle into space to face the Mysterians. 
Will they come out on top or be beaten like some lowly plebeians? Ooh, that was <laughs> that good. Is, that was a good one. That was you good. You had a couple rhymes there. I like that. <laughs> that, was, that was good. All right, Alex, I'll buy you some time too. I'll, I'm I'll ready. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm buying you time. I'm buying you time. Does the Mysterians bring the mystery or are we in for a world of misery? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I just stole Alex's ride. <laughs> no. So, uh, <laughs> Mysterians are coming at you hot. Do they show Earth women the perfect spot or is this lacking plot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that, dude, dude. <laughs> Oh man, man! Bryce, where, where where can people find you? All? We need to close this episode before Alex gets into any other shenanigans. So, Bryce, where where can uh, people find you online? Uh, people can find me. Just put in P R O F Prof Kaiju into YouTube, into Twitter, Instagram. I also have Facebook, but I forget that I have Facebook. Um, but you know, you can find me on YouTube uh, or Twitter. Those are my main spots. Awesome! Like the mysterious. fantastic. And we will uh, <laughs> we will keep talking with Bryce. I don't know why he wants to keep talking to us, but they're blackmailing we will me. Keep talking. <laughs> we will keep talking to Bryce here in MVM Plus in just a minute over at patreon.com slash MVM pod. But as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. You can follow me on Letterboxd, Eric Neely. You can email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Faye Basir and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, rock band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try, try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. Here we go. I'll do this preamble and then we'll jump in here after a moment of silence after the preamble. Here we go. For all the fallen monsters. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go.